0: Our second scripture reading today uh, comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verses 25 to 27. But before we read it, and while we take it off the screen, so you can't peek, (laughs) thank you, I want to tell you something. One of our big themes this fall uh, as a church, we have three big themes. It's around gathering and regathering after COVID and after the summer. It's around inviting and including as we welcome new folks into our midst. And the third big theme is about discipleship, growing up together in our faith, learning to trust God more with our lives, finding out what God has to say for us as disciples, as followers of Christ. So I'm trusting you today to join me in that process. Sometimes when we hear a scripture reading, it speaks right to our hearts. It's easy to understand. It makes rational sense even to the most skeptical among us. Some scripture we love and we like, and we print it up on little magnets and put it on a refrigerator. Do you have anything like that? But there are other times when a reading from scripture causes us to sit up a little straighter, to kind of try to get comfortable because we're not feeling comfortable with it, put on our listening ears, be ready for something that might be hard to hear or confusing or a little bit weird. We have one of those today. Sometimes it's the hard or confusing or weird ones that help us grow most. So I want you to pay attention as we talk through this one today. My prayer for you and me is that we would be open to God's word and to understanding the basic core message that comes across in these words. So now with that preamble, listen. Now large crowds were traveling with him and he turned and said to them, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, Wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, Now we're not comfortable. I read this passage uh, on Wednesday afternoon with my Bible study class, and um, it was a big group. So we had to read it around the circle a number of times, maybe five or six times. It's just three verses, so we just kept reading it and rereading it, those strident and striking and strong words from Jesus where he says, Whoever comes to me and does not hate, father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. And as we read this passage in class, I saw people frowning and shaking their heads. And one person turned to me and said, this goes against everything I deeply believe. And I think a lot of us felt that way. How can we possibly understand what Jesus is trying to say to us? What could this mean that he's saying we should hate our family in order to follow God? Isn't the Christian gospel about love? You probably remember that Jesus teaches the the basic two commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets, all the other teachings of the Bible, hang on these two commandments. Love God, love people. Amen? Okay. Or maybe you remember the New Testament book of 1 John chapter 4 where it says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves God, is, everyone who is born of God and knows God, let me get it right, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, everyone who loves God is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. That's the Christian teaching. God is love. You remember later in 1 John, it continues and says this, we love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate a brother or sister are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God who they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this, those who love God... Must love their brothers and sisters also. So now you're like, yeah, Pastor Dave, that's more like it. This makes more sense. This sounds more like the Christian gospel that we know, that's in line with what we believe. Good. So now stay with me as we continue to kind of delve into this scripture to try to understand Jesus' words in context. Our first scripture reading today was from Exodus chapter 20, which was the Ten Commandments, some of the Ten Commandments. And one of those was, honor your father and your mother. But before that, in the list of Ten Commandments, in chapter 20 of Exodus, comes the very first commandment. The first one says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. So all the other commandments about relationships with other people and how to live flow from this one first commandment. God should have first place in our lives. God is our number one source, our primary person. Above all else, we are to love and trust God, which will then lead us in how we seek to love, serve, and be with other people. This is the kind of flow chart that you've got to have in mind. This is the way that it runs. Jesus is using a bit of hyperbole, which is a fancy way of saying exaggeration, to make this important point. Unless, he says, unless you hate your family, you can never follow me, which means your love for God, your trust in God, your relationship with God is so important. It's so far above and beyond even your relationships with family who you love so much. Imagine the gap it must be if it's as if it's the difference between love and hate. It's so far removed. That's how high and great and big is the love of God. But when we get to know the love of God, all the rest flows from it, and we are enabled to live with love for other people in our lives. So let me say it again just real quick. Your love for God, or better, God's love for you, is the foundation of all of your other life relationships and commitments. We love because he first loved us. But someone might say, someone in the choir probably, might might say, well, preacher, you know that's fine and dandy for you, but for me, I just love my kids as they are. I just love my spouse. I love my family of my own natural volition. I don't need any God between me and them. You know, regardless of anything else, nothing is as important to me as my family. Family first, put it on a sign, hang it in the kitchen. But I wonder what happens when there's a family crisis, a loss, a challenge, when your family lets you down, maybe your kids or your spouse, your siblings, your parents, maybe not in everyday ways, but something like a deep hurt or a broken trust or a real trauma, when life is overwhelming to you and there are some things, even in your family life, that you cannot figure out on your own even with the great love we feel for our own families. We need somewhere to turn. We need someone to trust. We need someone to rely on whose love for us is so deep and wide that we can never fall away from it. We can always rely on it, even in and especially in the hardest times. God promises to be that for us, the backstop, the foundation of our lives. We're able to love our families, really, because God loves us. Forgiveness, let's take as an example, it's a core part of the Christian message. And I want my kids and my family to know that I forgive them and for them to forgive me. And our Christian faith teaches us how to do that. So if you want to love your family with that kind of value, forgiveness, you got to learn it somewhere. You got to develop it somewhere. You got to find it somewhere. We find that in Jesus Christ. Forgiveness, patience, mercy, grace, turning around and getting another chance after doing the wrong thing and getting to try to do it right, speaking truth, even hard truth, believing, belonging, trusting. All of these values can be shared within a healthy family. I hope in your healthy family you also find those things at work. But they come to us originally and in their highest form from God. They're gifts from God. I'll read them again. Forgiveness, patience, mercy, grace, turning around and getting another chance to do it right, speaking the truth, even hard truth, believing, belonging, trusting. Gifts from God given to us that we might share them with others. I would actually suggest to you that that even your own instinct to love your children with grace, to show forgiveness, to live with mercy, with that never-ending um, desire for, for your kid's own good, or your family's own good, or your spouse's own good, that itself is a gift from God. The instinct to love is implanted in us by the God of love. So for Christian people, as we seek to follow Jesus, it's not that we hate our families, of course. It's that we love that our love for them is rightly ordered, coming out of, flowing out of our love for God. In the Bible, the Greek word that is used here for hate. I had to look it up for you this week. It's miseo, miseo, and it has multiple meanings, but one of them, maybe a good way to understand this word hate that's used here, is to love someone or something else less than another or to make a choice in favor of another. So there's this choice that we make. How are we going to order our lives? What has first place? I think in American society and in the times we live in, we might all say, well, family's first place. That's not, that doesn't sound bad. That sounds good. God bless you. But I'm suggesting in the Christian gospel sense that we put God as first place and let our families and the love we have for them and for others flow from that. That's something we can rely on beyond just our own feelings in a moment or our own goodness or our own instincts or our own abilities. We trust on something bigger, and it's for our family and loved ones' own good. So following Jesus means having God as our first love, making that choice to put our trust in Christ. It means giving up control inside of our own hearts. that says, I know how to love best. I know what I'm doing. I'll handle all my own family business on my own. Stay out, Jesus. I have to do it so my microphone picks it up. Stay out, Jesus. None of us can really do that in the end. We all need some help. We all need God's love behind us. I was at the church workday yesterday um, with you know, over 50 volunteers sprucing up the campus all over the place. And at the end of the day, we were sitting out in the courtyard having lunch, and I was sitting with um, a dad of a young family. And he was sitting there, and he said, yeah, my son is at his baseball game right now. You know, he was at the workday. Uh, but my wife is there, and then he turned to me and he said, but you know, this is really important. It's more important to me than my kids. Then he gave me a look like, come on, man, that's not true. <laughs> And I said, thanks for the illustration for my sermon. Um, No one's going to say that. No one believes that sprucing up your church campus on a Saturday is more important to you than your kids. That is not the teaching from scripture. That's not what Jesus is saying in this passage. There's an old song that says, give me a higher love. Some of you can sing it for me later. And the higher love that we know, it comes from God. All of our other loves, our commitments, our relationships are blessed and strengthened and initiated because of God's love that is in them. And you know, today's um, third grade Bible Sunday, we just saw here the kids in the front with Lauren, and um, she gave them their their adventure Bibles, those are adventure Bibles from the church, and uh, we want our our kids to know this truth, you know, to to pass on to the next generation the truth that, uh, the story of God's love for them. And one of the third graders who stood up, as you saw, was my son Theo, my own son Theo. And I love him so much, and I love him so much. And we love him so much that we say, how can we support him in his life? How can we help him grow into the person he is meant to be? How can we help him as he starts his life's journey? How can we be the people who support him along the way, right now as a little kid and through all the phases and stages ahead? One of the best ways that I know how to do that is to be a family that loves him, is to share with him the love that God has put into our hearts. The unconditional love, the family love that comes as a gift from God. Our idea about unconditional family love that I know you have in your minds, it comes to us from God. It's modeled on God's own love for us. And it shows up in that Bible, in in all the stories that we gave him. And look, there's another third grade Bible that was given to me in 1987, from my home church. My mom was digging around in my room and found it. (laughs) You know, people back then loved me and wanted to model unconditional love for me. And that's my deep prayer as well for us, that we as a congregation would be the ones who pass on that love of Christ to the next generation, to the younger ones among us. Not based on our own goodness and our own knowledge of how things should go, but on what we've received from Christ ourselves, may we pass it on as well. In a way, this sermon today is just a basic teaching about um, how we order our lives. Even though we started out shaking our heads, some of you are shaking your heads. No way, we can't have Jesus saying, hate your families, but here's the truth. This is really a teaching about how to love God, or better, how God loves us. Put God first in your life, and allow your other relationships of love to grow and develop out of that strong place. My prayer for you this week is you would turn again to let God come into your heart ahead of all the other good and great things, and as you are rooted and anchored in your faith and in your life with Christ, that your, that, that abundant life and that great love would show up as you give it and show it and share it to the ones around you. May it be so for you today. Amen.